Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. Our host for today's episode is Ryan Eras. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. Welcome back to another week of the podcast for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute also hosted on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. It is good to be together. And uh, I say that very very truly and sincerely and uniquely because for the first time in several weeks, we have, uh, I'm joined here in studio, Mm -hmm. incarnationally, Mm -hmm. by Joe Boot, (laughs) as well as Nathan Oblak. We were with you in spirit before. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's uh, that's all right. (laughs) Thoroughly dualistic way. I was was feeling that. If I was here on Zoom, it'd be the same thing. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. (laughs) That's how we've been doing church, isn't it? uh, What's uh, what's the difference? Yeah, well, it's well, good to be dragged back into the studio. How's that, that virtual beer, though, over Zoom? I don't oh, yeah, that's uh, mm-hmm. probably good. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> Baptist beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's the next best thing to, <laughs> to being there mm-hmm. and to enjoying it in person. Yeah, I heard uh, there were some disparaging remarks made uh, during my absence, so, you know, I have to confront those now, but something about driving... Just that you're directionally challenged. (laughs) (laughs) A fifth of the way across the country in the wrong direction. Wasn't nearly that far. (laughs) (laughs) It was one time. We we dug in there a little. Yeah, yeah. I'll never live that down, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But it is uh, is great to be back back together today. Uh, Before we launch into today's topic... Uh, and for, for today's topic, we're uh, we're going to be dealing with the uh, the overturning of the Roe v. Wade decision in the mm-hmm. United States mm-hmm. and issues related to uh, life, to abortion, to what God thinks of a human being mm-hmm. as we go forward. Well, we meant to address this last week, but then That's right. Ryan, your wife, went ahead and had a baby. That's right. So, yeah. So on we a world considered of her to do that on the day of the podcast. I, I you're right. I, uh, I chided <laughs> her for that. It won't happen again. <laughs> You've been saying that for years. <laughs> well, we have. Uh, we, in all sincerity, we we have Justin Trudeau to partly thank for uh, for this little one. We have uh, been blessed with a uh, a third little boy. That's an odd remark. And what well, else is there I'll, to do during lockdown? Do you mean? T- no, uh, I'll tell you. Oh. I'll tell you, uh, Trudeau came out with some statement probably over a year ago where he said, we are, we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> this is a very bad time mm. to start a family or mm. to have a child. Mm-hmm. And I read that and I thought, nope. you know, we already have, <laughs> you know, we've been blessed with, this is our fifth child that we've had last week. 
And I, I read that last year and I thought, I, I've never wanted an unreasonable amount of children as much as I do it after reading that. That's a lot of carbon. So yeah, that's, that's so much carbon that we're consuming. Just, uh, just vacuuming it up. Good. Good. So, Keep it going. Thank you, Stuff Prime Minister Trudeau. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. Uh, Nate, uh, mm-hmm. any announcements? Any uh, any housekeeping matters before we dive in? Well, I mean, I haven't been back since uh, our training in Western Canada. It was an amazing... I know you guys talked about this briefly last week, but what an amazing couple of weeks with our delegates in Golden British Columbia. And... Um, I, again, actually, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I should listen to the last podcast. I haven't done that yet. You I don't, don't listen know. to the podcast? <laughs> That's unbelievable. Can you believe this guy? <laughs> I've got a busy life, man. <laughs> but I don't know if you mentioned, um, you know, we're, we're looking at doing the program again. Uh, the, the setting was so incredible uh, there at God's Peaks Lodge in Golden, uh, British Columbia, that we're, we're set to do it again there uh, next year in Canada. But we're also that same hoping venue at, God's at the Peaks. same venue. That's yeah. right. Terrific. And then we're also hoping to, um, Lord willing, run the program uh, in the United States next year as well in that's Florida true. during the winter months. So we're looking forward to running the program twice next year. Um, and then locally next week, we've got the, the Worldview Youth Academy uh, coming up, so we're we're getting geared up for that as a ministry right now, and rack them, uh, stack them, and pack them, isn't it? Oh and man, no, we've just it is overwhelmed. With it the is numbers a there. bit ridiculous. Uh, yeah, how many people we've got uh, at the at the inn on the lake? But we're uh, yeah, we're very excited that the interest has been high. We've had the program's been sold out since March. That's right. So uh, if if you want uh, if you want, it, it's our program for anyone age fifteen to eighteen. So if you've got someone uh, of that demographic demographic in your family you'll you'll have to get on it really early next year mm-hmm. um but we are in addition uh to our um worldview youth academy in canada we'll be running it in the united states as well um again lord willing uh in the chattanooga area of tennessee uh in the summer months sweet yeah so a lot of good stuff coming up details here, to both, follow yeah, both here in canada and the united states yeah details to follow All especially right. about the runner academy happening next winter yeah uh, in florida yeah so just uh i guess watch this space for uh, for the yeah. time being yeah it'll be coming out soon yeah and sign up for our monthly newsletter as well uh we include these uh ministry updates right. uh, in those emails okay great thanks well why don't uh, why don't we get into it um Congratulations and a, a happy Fourth uh, of July to all of our American friends. Mm-hmm. Congratulations mm-hmm. on yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday, that's right. Belated Fourth. Day before yesterday, actually, technically. Oh, is that? Oh, well, as people I, uh, will be listening to this. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, Ryan hasn't right. slept in a week, Joe. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm holding it together here. But, uh, <laughs> These, these these days and times and seasons and years are uh, are a little much for me. Um, anyway, a a happy happy yes. Independence Day, a happy Dominion Day to all of our Canadian friends, mm-hmm. and a a big hearty congratulations to our American uh, brothers and sisters on the uh, the overturning mm-hmm. of the the Roe mm-hmm. v Wade ruling. Absolutely, this has not surprisingly been a. Uh, a controversial decision it's mm-hmm. been been met with a lot of uh, a lot of hostility from the left uh, again not surprisingly and mixed mixed responses from uh, from conservatives to mm-hmm. uh, 
to to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what uh, what this effectively uh, has done is taken taken any le- any legislation uh, legislative power on the question of abortion and returned that power uh, to each state. So instead of being something that's been decided by lifetime appointed justices, that uh, that decision making power has been re- has reverted to a, a more local uh, state level. Mm-hmm. And there are, I believe I believe it's 13 states uh, where this this decision of the Supreme Court mm-hmm. will or within 30 days or something like that will trigger trigger laws. Uh, yeah. out, the outlawing of abortion mm-hmm. in those states. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are several other states where it will be sort of back on the docket for discussion. Mm-hmm. There are a handful where it won't change anything in terms of uh, current legislation. Mm-hmm. But that is uh, that is what this uh, the Dobbs decision has done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get maybe Joe, why don't we why don't we start with uh, that's the sort of that's the big picture what uh, what has happened and what will happen. Can you help us think through this from a uh, a reformational perspective? Tr- bring some uh, some reformational philosophy, theology, anthropology uh, to bear on uh, on this decision and its implications mm-hmm. with with nuance, <laughs> if if possible. Well, <clears throat> obviously it's a a big subject, mm-hmm. and there's a, a a great deal we could say uh, about this issue, of course. And, um, you know, I think the first thing that's worth noting is that there have been people, uh, Christian, faithful Christian people, who have been pursuing this end, this goal, for decades. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, Tirelessly. And actually, uh, we can say that the younger generation has had a a, a big part to play in that Mm -hmm. uh, in the last um, two two decades, especially. That is a good point. And... um, you know, our, we 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 are not bashful about saying we're celebrating this as a victory, mm-hmm. yeah. and I don't think we should be shy about uh, um, very clearly thanking the Lord for uh, His mercy and uh, His deliverance mm-hmm. uh, in this situation of um, many young lives that will now be saved because of this overturning, and of course. Um, it was the previous White House that uh, installed the justices who gave the, the, the balance to the court mm-hmm. uh, uh, that would uh, make this uh, decision a possibility. And, and I'm, certainly my hope is that, uh, as, as I think um, uh, one of the justices recently said, um, that this has the potential to reopen a number of other critical cases, uh, such mm. as um, same-sex marriage, um, and so on, that were these sort of top-down fiat uh, court decisions that were really remaking the culture rather than allowing, as you've pointed out, Ryan, the various states uh, and the elected officials in those states and their legislatures to uh, make these decisions right. because they're the ones who have been elected by the people. Right. And frankly, uh, they can't hide behind Roe v. Wade. And or, they can't hide mm-hmm. behind that des- those decisions. Yes, exactly. And so this, this uh, um, may be the beginning of a walk back, really, of the effect of critical theory of cultural Marxism, because mm-hmm. let's not forget mm-hmm. that the 1960s really 
Um, that was the ideological revolution that set out to change culture fundamentally first, rather than um, rather than politics, and uh, you know saw the Christian sexual ethic as uh, as basically retrogressive, you know, as as stifling the enemy of the uh, and as kind of the enemy of the good life, basically, um, and. Um, sexuality itself uh, became seen as something of a recreational activity um, and of course much of the the vitriol and the, the fury and the hostility um, in response to this decision um, has uh, basically is centered around the fact that it challenges the radical autonomy of the human individual to behave however they like whenever they like mm -hmm. yeah. and um, challenges the sort of recreational um, laissez-faire uh, attitude towards um, human sexuality that has dominated. Um, and so uh, the uh, dehumanizing effects on, on uh, women, upon children, and actually upon fathers, we've seen that this, this decision has been one major step in beginning to roll back that radical depersonalization and dehumanizing of of human beings that yes culminated in um, the, the the sort of a, a death culture of abortion, but also as some prophesied at the time uh, way back in the sixties and seventies that it would lead to a, 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 a culture that promoted euthanasia and even infanticide. And of course, they were absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Look look where it's actually led us. Look what we've just yeah. done in Canada with the expansion of medical assistance in dying and so on. Yeah, um, Francis Schaeffer was writing about these things in the, six, yeah, well, as you right. say, the 60s mm -hmm. and 70s. Yes. So, that, you know, and, and I think we have to recognize today the work that those people did, those men and women did. Um, uh, and uh, this has been a, a long, hard road, and it's only one, let's, let's remember, let's also remind ourselves, one very small part of this overall struggle. But it's a hugely significant moment um, for which we can be grateful to God, uh, for, which we, for which we can celebrate um, and be joyful about, because uh, f this legislation, this, this horrendous piece of legislation has been overturned mm -hmm. uh, finally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, that's probably a good starting point for us today before we sort of talk about the details of what scripture has to say about abortion and the reformational perspective on the human person is to to recognize uh, what the significance of what has taken place. Mm -hmm. And of mm -hmm. course, as you said, Ryan, you know, there's no doubt that the, the radical left uh, or the, just the left in general recognizes it because they've been apoplectic with rage mm -hmm. uh, and threats yep. uh, ever since. And we've talked before on this show about the the risk in the United States of balkanization mm -hmm. in this decade. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, if we see further further um, uh, steps in this direction, especially from this court, if we if we see uh, a um, very significant shift of power in the fall mm -hmm. with the midterms. Mm -hmm. um, the divide within American society is clearly growing. And um, I guess for, for some people, you know, a worst case scenario would be the balkanization 
of America into conservative and liberal states. I actually think it would be a very, very good thing. People mm. will start voting with their feet. And even if eventually, and I certainly wouldn't prophesy this, and I certainly wouldn't want this to be the case, but even if eventually it meant that the United States became two countries, mm -hmm. um, so be it. So be it. Because uh, righteousness and justice in the kingdom of God means more to the triune God, to the Lord Jesus, than the preservation of a political unity that we call the United States of America. Mm -hmm. um, and that's true of the United Kingdom, and it's true of the Canadian Dominion as well. Um, but I think that the what you can say very positively about the U.S. is that it's hard to think of another Western country today where this kind of decision would have been possible, even yeah, conceivable. True. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and and it makes clear and actually I think repudiates uh, the radical negativity of some who've suggested the culture war is long over, it's mm -hmm. finished, it's we, we Christians are totally defeated, the Christian view of things is totally defeated, mm -hmm. we are mere humble supplicants at the table of the secularist uh, and pagan elite, and we can hope for nothing more in our time, and this is perhaps the best situation for the church to be some sort of tiny persecuted band of holdouts. Um, uh, and, you know, that's the ideal situation, no. Actually, this decision, I think, shows that, no, there is still a very real cultural struggle in the United States. And it's hard to think of another nation mm -hmm. uh, in the Western world where this kind of, the, the, this level of intensity of the struggle uh, continues. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is uh, something that we need to um, be thankful to our brothers and sisters in America, the, our Christian friends in the United States, uh, that they have they have kept up this resistance uh, to the point that this kind of a decision is actually even poss even possible, Amen. Uh, even yep. even conceivable, because uh, I'm hard put to think of another nation in which it it, it would be. Yeah, right. Well, and that's Joe. Where you hope um, to see more universally celebrate the uh, what's happened with Roe v. Wade um, in the church, but you know, like you said. Uh, America is a divided nation, and we're kind of getting divided responses even in the church in the U.S. And um, you know, even more, some of the more conservative evangelical figures, uh, sadly, equivocating on um, some of their response. I mean, the TGC uh, posted an article. Um, I'm sure many of our listeners have have had a look at it, but it was titled "After Row, Choose Compassion Over." culture war. Um, and, and I'll just read a, a brief excerpt from that article because I think it'd be good to interact with this because we're hearing a lot of this, um, both in Canada and the U.S. Uh, as kind of the a possible legitimate response to Roe v. Wade being overturned. But here's the excerpt. As we welcome this ruling, we must be measured in our response. Now isn't the time for the church to beat its chest in celebration of a victory in the culture war. This is a moment for us to step up in love. What might this look like? Um, I wonder, Joe, if you could, I mean, that, that's so radically different than the response you just gave us. That's, that's one of just universal celebration. This, this is a good thing from every angle. Um, what, why are so many pastors saying, no, slow down, no chest mm. beating, um, and we need to be for women. We shouldn't solely be against abortion. Um, and and uh, as I say that, I'm just re even reminded of an article you wrote in January 
uh, speaking to that very issue. You have to be attentive to people and Christian leaders that are only speaking about what they're for and very rarely, if ever, speaking about what they're against. And, and you've mm-hmm. mentioned this actually on a podcast before, where often that points to um, a syncretized worldview that takes Christianity and attempts to meld it with uh, the spirit of the age. Um, yeah, w- I wonder if you could comment on that. Well, it does seem to be a cardinal sin almost uh, to speak about what we're for, uh, so about what we're actually against, I should say, and um, and then celebrate when uh, there is some kind of decision or, or development that moves in favor of the Christian world and life view. And it's almost as though it's, it's wrong to uh, celebrate those things unequivocally. Right. I think I said at the time that it, it almost feels as though the TGC would equivocate about equivocating, um, <laughs> given the opportunity. Saw that tweet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which is just disappointing. It's it's it's, it's frustrating. What mm. what on earth could be wrong about prayers of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord for um, this decision? What would be wrong about uh, with, with with saying this is a righteous and a just decision mm. um, that in in in, in numerous states in America mm. will uh, hamper curtail in some cases, end mm-hmm. the evil and wicked practice of abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, this this notion that we step up in love, of course, is part of the issue that we've addressed many times before as well, which is what do we mean by what love? Is, is, love? Mm-hmm. is love yeah. some sort of elastic panacea mm-hmm. of um, feeling emotionally sensitive uh, or uh, working up feelings of affection for wickedness and evil. Mm-hmm. No, Scripture makes crystal clear in Romans 13 that love is the fulfillment of the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he who uh, um, fulfills the law has loved his neighbor. I mean, that's what it means. And mm-hmm. so uh, we are to uh, hate lawlessness mm-hmm. and love righteousness. I mean, that is the a command of scripture because God himself has, has loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Um, Ryan was reading a segment of Psalm 139 at the beginning of the program, which ends with an expression of God's detestation of the wicked. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, the, a part of the issue here is not only the confusion uh, around the meaning of love um, as rather than taking a scriptural definition, we take, as you've said, this culturally synthesized vision of love, uh, which is sort of a romanticized, um, emotive idea of feeling and uh, affection, Mm -hmm. rather than uh, the biblical understanding that love to God and to man is only manifest Mm -hmm. ultimately when we live in obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Mm -hmm. Joe, let me uh, let me read that uh, the end of Psalm 139. Just hear these inspired words of Scripture, the words of God here. Starting at verse 19, the psalmist writes, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. Mm. I count them my enemies. Yeah. This is the word of the Lord. Wow. Amen. Yeah, and we uh, modern evangelicals uh, find it def- difficult to listen to that. In fact, I frequently heard Psalm 139 quoted 
uh, without the inclusion of those concluding verses, and yet they say something very important mm. about the preceding verses. They're not there by mistake. That's right. And uh, this this has to do with really this sort of Aristotelian humanistic mm. um, uh, notion of the human person, this kind of division between intention and action um, by abstracting human actions from our moral nature. And... Uh, it, it reflects the, the dualism that we talk about so frequently on our show where you've got the, this two-story view of reality and in the upper story you've got spirit or and mind and intention and then in the lower story you've got matter, you've got act. And so actually you see this, uh, you see this creep through into very popular um, uh, nomenclature within evangelicalism that uh, while we love the... We hate the sin, but we yes, but we, right. we we love the mm. sinner, yeah. um, and uh, that there's no place at all for a strong opposition or a strong detestation mm. of the wicked, mm. and yet God says the absolute opposite. Mm. Um, uh, I think actually some translations are into that, Ryan. I hate them with a perfect hatred. Mm. Um, and now think about it when Jesus said that uh, if you don't um, love God in the way that is required, um, if you don't actually, he says, hate father and mother, mm-hmm. uh, you're not worthy of me. Um, uh, there's, a, there's an important comparison going on there. Of course, Jesus is not saying, you, and if you don't work up emotions of resentment and hatred towards your parents, you're not worthy of me. What he meant is that unless y- you put me and my kingdom first, even over against the resistance of family members, then you're not worthy of me. Uh, You have to hate everything that is opposed to my kingdom. Uh, And um, the the force of this, the force of this uh, statement um, sort of rejects any notion of a a moral neutrality that could exist uh, within our being. And it means that... um, this 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 dualistic conception that has kind of dominated our thinking where you can have intent sort of um at the level of spirit and act at the level of matter you can have spirit and mind is somehow sort of pure and your intentions are good and mm. uh you know your your material environment may be impure um uh, and of course it's by nature inferior on that view because it's because of the the, fit, the nature of the physical world on this particular pagan view. But the, often the pagans thought that what you did in the body didn't really matter uh, because the body, the material realm, was an inferior realm. The realm of act was an inferior realm, but the realm of thought, of intent, of spirit, of mind, that was the higher realm. And so you often have uh, people say of, you know, the pornographer or the pedophile or the murderer, you know, that, well, you know, they, they fell into this, but at heart they were, they were good people, they had good intentions. You know, you know my, my son's a radical criminal, but he was a good boy, really. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. kind of sentimentalism, um, it results in a denial of real responsibility where uh, intent or character and act are actually divorced from one another rather than being seen as involved um, in each other. And uh, um, we might say, you know, crimes don't happen without a criminal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no sin without a sinner. Yeah. 
You know, you can't depersonalize an abstract sin. We can't abstract crime from criminals. Um, sin is not an idea. It's an expression. It's the outworking of our sinful nature. Um, murder is evil, and murderers are therefore evil, right? Men, men do not murder out of the goodness of their hearts. Yeah. Child abusers don't abuse children out of the goodness of their hearts. Pornographers don't make pornography out of the generosity and kindness of their hearts. Jesus said that a good tree doesn't bring forth bad fruit. So um, we mustn't give sin some kind of independent meta metaphysical existence. As though, as, though, as though there's a principle of evil over and against God mm. that is not inextric inextricably bound to human nature, to our fallen condition in the world. And that's why the Bible speaks the way it does. Um, yes, God loves the world. Yes, God is married to the backslider. Yes, God um, is, uh, is, is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That doesn't mean he doesn't hate wickedness. Mm -hmm. And he says he's angry with the wicked every day. The scripture says that. And so the notion that we can never have a reaction of evil has been conquered on this day. Right, there is a victory for righteousness over unrighteousness. And, yeah, and evil people's actions have been thwarted, and and that's the right, and right. the and the intentions mm. of the heart of the wicked. Now, remember, that's exactly mm. the way the Bible speaks. It it unifies the the uh, act and intent. Jesus himself talks mm. about, and the Apostle James too. They talk about desire giving birth to sin. Mm -hmm. Right, so that it starts with evil intentions. And then sin is the fruit. Mm. And in our fallen, ruined condition, we are at enmity, the mm. Apostle Paul says, against God. We, we will not submit ourselves to the law of God. We cannot do so. Mm. Um, and that we are, the heart is deceitful, Scripture says, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Mm. So the notion that we have to say, oh, no, the right reaction to the overturning of Roe v. Wade is, we need uh, sympathy and empathy mm -hmm. with all of the people who've had abortions and all the people who yep. want abortions. And our immediate reaction should be compassion towards those people who feel they must have an abortion. Mm -hmm. They feel they've been deprived of their freedom. Yeah. And have, their access has been limited. Their access mm -hmm. is, yeah. as though that is mm -hmm. now somehow the primary reaction of the Christian. Doesn't mm -hmm. mean we shouldn't have an understanding yeah of the ruinous situations right. that sin brings about, because right. this is invariably, let's not forget, in the context of out of wedlock, mm -hmm. unmarried, mm -hmm. sexual promiscuity, invariably, that brings about this situation where people suddenly feel the need to take that one step further now and turn fornication and or adultery uh, into murder. Mm -hmm. That's right. And... Um, do we need uh, mercy and kindness and do we need to preach the gospel mm -hmm. and the love and the grace of God to all those in the grip of sin? Of course we do. And that's this really strange false dichotomy that has emerged through all of this. Right. Right? You can't celebrate the overturning of Roe v. Wade unless you're fostering kids, you've adopted four more, you've done this, you've done that. Right. Well, and does it critically... Westminster Chapel has hosted a pregnancy care ministry for years mm -hmm. and years, from the mm -hmm. very almost from the beginning. Uh, our church now, after we've moved away from uh, from Toronto and from Westminster, has done the same thing and partnered with lots of right. mm -hmm. pregnancy care ministries. Right. 
churches and Christians have been doing this right. for decades. Yeah. For decades. Like, yep. as, uh, and and the the implication that now is the time to step yeah. up, right. as though you know, twenty years ago, nobody was stepping up is. Yeah is just false and slanderous. Mm-hmm. It is, right. and it's yeah. this implied slander. And I think that's that sort of passive-aggressive at posture and attitude is mm-hmm. what I think just in, in, people lose patience with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad you pointed that out, Ryan, about what churches have been doing. My, my own, uh, the church that I planted in Toronto Westminster Chapel, as you said, we've had a pregnancy care partnership for years. We started Safe Families Canada. That's to, right. Uh, um, care for children at risk of neglect. Um, we have families in our church who've adopted uh, children, mm-hmm. in, in some cases more than one, um, in, uh, in, in difficult circumstances. Christians have been doing these things yeah. for decades. Yeah. Faithful and Christians well, have. Uh, yeah, our yeah. churches have been doing it for decades, but Christians have been doing this from yeah. the from first From time century. immemorial, well, since I, the first I suppo- century. I suppose my point is, though, even if churches weren't doing these things, the overturning of Roe v. Wade is still to be celebrated. Right? Yes, amen. <laughs> <Yep>. Amen. <laughs> Unequivocally. And that, and that was... Uh, and okay, so I haven't I haven't read that TGC article that you cited, mm. but uh, was that was that the headline that you read that uh, something about compassion, choose compassion, choose compassion culture not war. Yeah. culture war, right? As if right. we can choose exactly right. the, for exactly. the for right. or against it's the culture war. It's yet another false right. dichotomy, which That's right. which is related to this um, uh, sort of um, uh, neo gnostic idea that the, that um, we've got this dualistic. Uh, reality. Mm-hmm. You can't both be for fighting for righteousness and justice within the culture and be showing right. kindness and compassion. Right. Um, and, you know, so, you know, this, this, this Gnostic spirit in the church that spirit and mind can remain pure while the material environment of act, well, that, that is what it is. That's the, the, the lower realm. And therefore we can abstract sin from the sinner. We can abstract wickedness from the wicked is is not a biblical idea sin has no independent metaphysical existence Hmm. it is bound to man as a sinner and we are dead in trespasses and sins Mm -hmm. until we have been raised to life by the lord jesus christ and so that idea that the bible there conveys of hate in psalm 139 is the strongest possible established aversion to evil and to evil men because and women because wickedness is manifest in and through people so um we are to express the reality of god's love for a sinful world and we are to oppose sin and when people promote celebrate and impose wickedness and evil on others we are to oppose them and we're to hate what they represent um and uh that is the biblical position. Um, it is not some sort of Gnostic, uh, highly spiritualized idea that really people are just uh, are genuinely good and have good intention. It's just their nasty environment that's made them do these things. We have to stand with God against unrighteousness. And in the case of abortion, people have to know that there is forgiveness where there is repentance, hmm. genuine repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was the position of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan mentioned uh, that, you know, since the first century, uh, this has been the essential posture of the church. You can go to the, the Dedicate, for example, the, um, the, the, 
the, the Lord's teaching through the 12 apostles. Uh, it's an important and well-known early church document um, that rejects uh, abortion. Clement of Alexandria, Tertullian, a very well-known, outspoken opponent of abortion. St. Basil as well, and of course, Augustine, who condemned abortion from conception onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, let me, uh, let me read a, 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 a short citation from Tertullian in speaking about the, the, the life in the, room, the womb. He said, to hinder a birth is merely a speedier man-killing. Nor does it matter whether you take away a life that is born or destroy one that is coming to birth. That is, a man that is going to be one. You have the fruit already in its seed. And the early apostolic constitutions uh, called for serious sanctions uh, on those who participated in abortion. Um, it uh, Because the pagan world at the time celebrated infanticide and, uh, uh, and, and abortion was widespread, um, the, the church felt the need to make sure the Christians understood God's penalty uh, for murder. And people were suspended for, from the Lord's table either indefinitely, sometimes there was a lifetime ban, mm. at other times that was modified um, to, the, uh, to, to 10 years or so, um, the Council of Ankara in AD 314, for example, noted the practice of the um, uh, earlier church, but limited the restitution and penance period to 10 years. I mean, this was a serious thing for the church. Uh, it, it, it mattered to the early church that people knew and that God's people knew how God viewed the killing of the unborn. And uh, it's what, amazing and what a how trite that things is. have become. What, yeah. a, what a testimony that is. You saw, you know, two thousand years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, and uh, and by the way, uh, Joe, you're uh, you're referring there to a uh, a little monograph that uh, listeners can get at EzraPress.ca. That's mm-hmm. called For Life. Uh, we'll put a link in the description, but you can get that uh, at Ezra Press. That's uh, it's one of our earliest books, mm-hmm. uh, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um. So you've uh, you've just uh, made reference to Tertullian and the uh, that powerful and uh, sort of evergreen image of the f- the fruit already in the seed. Uh, this uh, this idea of begetting is is constantly used with regards to or w- with when talking about uh, birth and generation, uh, but this actually comes uh, begins not with uh, not with man but with God actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the point I actually make in the in the the monograph that you referred to. Mm-hmm. No, um, I read it, and uh, yeah, I think you edited it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which um, where I talk about how the, the abortion uh, strikes at the very nature of God, and of course we yeah. should expect that to be the case because it's striking at, at uh, God's image bearer, and when you strike at God's image bearer, you're striking out at God Himself. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. man cannot lash out at God directly, so mm-hmm. he lashes out in his sin against his image um, and and therefore seeks the destruction of that image um, in man. But when we think about the, the being of God and we think about how God has revealed himself to us in Scripture and in the Lord Jesus Christ, what we have is a familial revelation. We, we have God reveals himself as Father and Son and Holy Spirit, 
and the uh, the relationship, especially as we come to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're told about, is that he is the only begotten uh, son of God. And as the creeds talk about it, eternally begotten, mm-hmm. not made. Mm-hmm. And, and of the same substance as the Father, through whom all things were made. And then, of course, goes on to say, for us men and our, salva- for us men and our salvation, he came down from heaven and was incarnate yep. by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. That's a part of the Nicene Creed. So uh, God himself is a begetting God. He's the only begotten. He's the, he's the scripture says, he's the firstborn over all creation. And then we could have a spend some time on it we haven't got time but we can have a bit of a study of he's the firstborn over all creation then he's the firstborn from the dead so he's got this absolute priority mm-hmm. in creation he has absolute priority in resurrection also yeah. Yeah. but it speaks about tells us something immediately about the nature of god and then man as god's image bearer that god himself is a begetting god there is a father son eternal relationship in the community of the godhead and that's how God is covenantally revealed in familial terms. And uh, I think it's a, it's a marvelous thing, you know, when you think about the incarnation that reminds us that the son, though he's born into the world at a certain point, is the eternally begotten of the father. Um, and this, this familial nature where this generation takes place, right? There's this, this eternal generation of the son uh, from the Father, and then he's manifest in the flesh. So the very nature of God, the category of Father, Son, and the begetting, is antithetical to the nature of abortion. Right. It's to abort mm. begetting. Mm. To abort is to abort begetting, to abort, to attempt to abort the very nature of God himself, right. which then is fully expressed to us in the incarnation itself, where the Lord Jesus Christ um, is born through the Virgin Mary, fully human, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Let's not forget the Holy Spirit in this begetting. Because as the Son is manifest in history, uh, the begetting is manifest within the temporal realm of creation as the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary, and what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. That's what um, Gabriel, of course, tells Joseph. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christ is fully man and fully God. Mm -hmm. So he's begotten from the Father, fully God, and then he's begotten of Mary and actually ultimately of Adam. Mm -hmm. He's in. Mm -hmm. uh, He's born um, under the law. He's uh, he's the he's the last Adam, but he's born as a true human being. And we can we see there. That's why the genealogy of Jesus is so important in Matthew and in Luke goes all the way back to Adam, who Luke describes as a son of God. So he's begotten eternally by the Father, and then he's begotten temporally uh, uh, by the Virgin Mary, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And we know, I mean, if you ever wanted the argument for life at conception, mm-hmm. uh, there you have it in the incarnation of the Lord Jesus. And not only that, you have the recognition of his identity in the womb, by an unborn John the Baptist, right. yep. who is recognized, who recognizes the Lord Jesus when he leaps in the womb, when Elizabeth is greeted by Mary, and she makes that marvelous confession that the, 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 the child in her womb leapt within me. 
because the mother of my Lord has come to me. Mm-hmm. And we see, of course, that reality reiterated uh, throughout Scripture. Consider Jeremiah, for example. Uh, before I formed you in Jeremiah 1.5, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And uh, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 1, 15 through 16, when he says, he who had set me apart before I was born. Um, and, uh, you know, Ryan, going back to what Ryan read in Psalm 139 at the beginning of the program, in verse 16, uh, verse 15 and 16, the womb is described literally as God's studio. It's the depths of the earth. It's this place totally hidden in, in God's studio as he's acting as this great artist and the Hebrew text in verse 16 reads, my embryo, that's the word golmai there, my embryo, your eyes saw. This is this incomplete vessel, this young, unfinished uh, life that God sees. And of course, the psalm goes on to tell us that in God's ordination, all the days ordained are written in his book. There is a forming process, not just of the, the child, but of the future There's a forming of the potentiality of the child in God's providential plan for history. So we've got the the idea of abortion moves against the nature of God as as the begetting God, the nature of God as uh, as incarnate in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then, of course, it moves against the God's providence in creation as we see within Psalm 139, but it also moves against God's plan of salvation because all the metaphors that God God uses, not just there of creation as his workmanship in the womb, but of salvation, are of generation, regeneration. You must be born again. So if you abort begetting, you also abort regenerate you abort generation you abort regeneration also birth if birth is negated new birth is negated so we could of course have talked in this program at length about uh the uh, political implications uh, about the uh, progress of laws uh that are hostile to to god and all of that but but most fundamentally uh it's against the nature and character of God in creation and in redemption. And of course, that then gets expressed fundamentally in the law of love, uh, which you took us back to, uh, Nathan, uh, where you shall not murder is a fundamental command. And we see actually in the, in the book of Exodus, Exodus 21, the sanctions where even there's an accidental abortion. That's right. Where men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so the child... Uh, the children come out. If there's no harm, the one who hit her shall be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. There is a recognition. God protects the child in the womb. God protects the mother carrying the child. Do you know, actually, God protects, in Deuteronomy 22, mother birds with their eggs Mm -hmm. by his law this is how much god if god is concerned about the birds and jesus said so doesn't he Mm -hmm. not a sparrow falls from the ground without my father are you not worth more than many sparrows so if god protects the the mother bird with her eggs and that's protected by god's law how much more 
the mother and the and the child in the womb and so at every level whether we look at god's law whether we look at god's nature whether we look at the nature of salvation um and his redemptive work we look at the the life of the early church and their condemnation of this uh we see uh the the absolute prohibition against the taking of god's the life of god's image bearer mm-hmm. out of the womb and in the womb mm-hmm. so from that why don't we uh, wrap up today's discussion by talking about the nature of the human person and uh, I know, Joe, you've spoken uh, much about this, but when the Bible mentions that we are from Adam or in Adam, um, it's not merely speaking to the fact that we are physical descendants of Adam, which is how we would often normally um, comprehend that passage. But could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think this is a particularly interesting point, and I think uh, uh, an important contribution of reformational thinking mm-hmm. and reformational philosophy and theology in reflecting on the nature of the human person, because actually for much of uh, Western history, um, the uh, Christians have really adopted an Aristotelian uh, and Greek uh, and and sort of paganized uh, view, that we might call it a synthetic view, that tries to combine biblical categories with the philosophies of, mm-hmm. of uh, uh, the philosophy of Greek culture. And of course, Aristotle believed in insolment, basically, that sometime after conception, a soul, an immortal soul, comes down into this organic process. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can see why on that basis, um, the Greeks and would have been you know, perfectly pro-abortion, mm-hmm. yeah. especially at the early stages. Who knows right. when this insolment happens? Right. Yeah, it's like, like you know, the way a driver steps into a car. Right, mm-hmm. that's a good uh, a good a good analogy, mm-hmm. um, and so you've got this sort of organic life principle going on uh, over here. That's the physical, the lower part, yeah. and then at some later point, this insolment happens, and this sort of came down in Christian theology through what we, we has been called the psycho creationist viewpoint, mm-hmm. which sort of envisions God dropping immortal, sinful, so creating. Uh, actually, I should say a sinful soul, mm-hmm. uh, and what is then an immortal sinful soul, mm-hmm. and dropping it down or in, 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 into, in, a, body. into a, a body at some point. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, uh, the conservatives would say, well, that's, you know, at the point of conception, there's this mm-hmm. insolment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Others would say otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's an impoverished view of the human person, and I think the reformational view would say that's an impoverished view of the human person. The mm-hmm. inner and the outer person... Mm-hmm. are a unity mm-hmm. in the biblical view of man. And uh, when we talk about uh, the soul and spirit we're, and the body, we're just simply looking at the, hu- the wholeness, the totality of the human person from a different angle. Mm-hmm. That's why we talk about souls that have been lost. We mean the right. person that yep. has been mm-hmm. lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... It's it's unhelpful actually when we when we talk in these sort of divided terms, um, and it's the it's it is the inheritance of Greek philosophy that's not been adequately thought through from a scriptural standpoint. But when we talk about that being in Adam and in Christ, we're not just talking. Uh, I don't believe we're simply talking about some sort of representational mm-hmm. uh, language, mm-hmm. uh, uh, some sort of federal language mm-hmm. of headship. That's certainly involved. There's a covenantal aspect to it, but it's deeper than that. Mm. And, and this is at the root of the, re- the biblical requirement of honor for parents. Mm. 
At the root of the biblical requirement for honor for parents is not uh, simply that, uh, well, there's some arbitrary requirement that, well, because they looked after you and fed you, fed your body, right. uh, that you have to honor your parents. No, you were generated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by the union of your parents. Mm-hmm. And there's a mystery there. And, and, and it's not that God's creating a sinful soul somewhere up there and then dropping it down. But rather that the human race truly was, in a real sense, in Adam. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we truly are, in a real sense, in Christ. And that Mm -hmm. that makes a lot more sense of the biblical language, that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, that that I have died, Mm -hmm. and my life is hid together with Christ in God. Mm -hmm. There is an important sense in which that is is an an immediate reality. Uh, in my union with the Lord Jesus Christ through regeneration. Mm-hmm. Regeneration. My my union with Adam is by my generation. Um, but th- there is a, there's an important sense, I guess, where we're moving with this is to say that there's a very important sense in which the totality of my being uh, is, of who what a human being is, is present at conception. Right. Not merely on organic biological life mm-hmm, principle, mm-hmm. but what it means to be human, mm-hmm. to be truly human. Just as the Holy Spirit overshadowed the Lord Jesus, and there in Mary, conceived within Mary, was everything required for the full realization of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In that conception of the human person, uh, of, uh, of, of, of human uh, life, everything there is necessary as the fruit is in the seed, mm-hmm. as Tertullian said, for the full realization of the human person. Right. And this point is critical as we're called to disciple the nations. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And, and I think that as we actually realize the nature of the human person as a total unity, inner man and outer man, yes, one part visible, one part invisible, that, 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 that the totality of the being of that person is present from the beginning, mm-hmm. um, uh, we have, in a very, very important sense, uh, broken with a paganized idea of the human person that would really say, well, it's a clump of cells and right. until yeah. some arbitrary point. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's not anything until we say it is or until some philosopher says it is yeah. or some arbitrary right. point. But Psalm 139 makes crystal clear. Mm. Uh, Jeremiah makes clear. No. I was knit together in God's studio as a, as a human being, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a truly human. And if we don't have that, then then we actually we can say, well, you know, who knows when right. these cells become yeah. human, mm-hmm. right? Because to be human is to be inner man, outer man, mm-hmm. to, 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 to be uh, that with the part of which we cannot see, that we sometimes call the soul or the spirit, and that which we can see, the body. Mm. When we realize that, we begin to see the gravity of abortion. If we don't, it's kind of ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. If there, if it's not God's standard, there, there is no standard, and it might as well. It's you know, it's ever changing. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Joe, thanks for taking us through that. It is, uh, as I've said, terrific to uh, be together in studio again. Mm. This has been the podcast for Cultural Reformation, reminding you that from him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory, and we will look forward to being with you again next week.